I am Reverend Brianne Swan, and this is Sermons from the East End for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. A reading from Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22, from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This is a difficult reflection, because honestly, I am not really sure what to say. I haven't been sure of what to say for nearly two weeks now. We opened the sanctuary at Eastminster last Tuesday, a time for silent prayer and lighting candles, and this was good. I mean, I at least found it helpful because it did not require saying anything. I was able to simply sit in the sadness, grief, overwhelm, anger, and lament, hoping, praying that ultimately love is greater than fear. I have been feeling a lot of lament over what has been unfolding in the Middle East. When the rockets from Hamas landed, when people were slaughtered while just going about their regular lives, the grief and sorrow and fear was real, obviously for the Israeli victims, but also because I knew this was only going to lead to more Palestinian deaths, and more Israeli deaths, more deaths. And it has, and it will. And all of this is hard to talk about, because no matter what I say, I wonder, does it really help? It sounds like taking sides, or not taking sides if I should be taking sides. Like I am not seriously understanding the plight of one or the other side of this conflict. And even thinking that there are only two sides in this is misleading. And I'm not taking sides. Except I am taking sides. And I will explain that in a little while. But I also wonder, 
Why do I need to say anything at all? Hasn't the world had enough of Christians sticking our noses into issues that don't concern us? And it's not like Christians don't have a long history of colluding with state power and spoiling everything we've touched for hundreds upon hundreds of years. Except even that is kind of simplistic, misleading. Because Christians have also been at the center of justice movements trying to get things right nearly as long as we've been messing everything up. It's not Christianity that's the problem. It's people and the misuse of power and power corrupting people. And unfortunately, Christians do not have a monopoly on that phenomena. So what to say or what not to say? How to have so much feeling bubbling around and find a place for it to land? Maybe it would be helpful to dig into our gospel passage today. We are in Holy Week. I mean, not now, that was months ago. But it is where we are in Matthew's story. In today's scripture reading, we find ourselves between Palm Sunday and the Last Supper and the Crucifixion. We are also at the temple, and this is important. Now, normally, you will hear me come to the Pharisees' defense a little bit. We hear a lot about the Pharisees because they are part of the Jewish leadership that is most likely to interact with Jesus because they are not as attached to the temple. So when Jesus is out and about, in and with and among the people, there they are. They are often set up as a foil to Jesus in the Gospels because they're kind of low-hanging fruit. And since their movement was not dependent upon access to the physical space, after the fall of the Second Temple, which is when people would have first been reading these texts, folks are more likely to be running into Pharisees. And Matthew, who is writing to a primarily Jewish audience, has no love for the Pharisees. But they are also the lineage of the modern rabbinic movement. So I always try to keep that in mind when dealing with these texts. Who was the writer? Who were they writing to? And what was the context? But in this story, the Pharisees are colluding with the Herodians, who were much more attached to the temple and were also much more enmeshed with the Roman occupiers than the Pharisees were. Herodians and Pharisees were not allies, except for here, because they are sensing Jesus as a threat. Jesus has just spent three parables exposing the hypocrisy of the religious leadership. Both groups recognize that Jesus is getting pretty close to ruining everything. And so these two groups who do not like each other, have teamed up to entrap Jesus. Remember how I said 
that it was significant that they are all in the temple? You remember the story of Jesus turning over the money changers' tables, right? The money changers exist because it was illegal within the temple to have Roman coins bearing Caesar's image. You shall not have graven images. Caesar is a graven image. The coins also would have been inscribed with the words, Son of the Divine Augustus. So you would change your Roman coins with Caesar's face on them for different coins to bring into the temple with you. So when Jesus asks for a coin and they produce a Roman coin with Caesar's face on it, it's kind of a facepalm moment because he has only further demonstrated the leader's hypocrisy. They aren't even following their own rules by having a Roman coin within the walls of the temple. Jesus asks, Whose image is on this coin and whose inscription? It's Caesar's, the occupying power. So give it to Caesar then. This is not a comment on the separation of church and state. There are many interpretations of what he means in this non-answer. But right now, what I hear in this moment is this. Whose image is imprinted on this coin? Caesar's, yes? This Roman coin in this Jewish temple is trash. It's worthless. Give it to Caesar. Give Caesar back his trash. It should be no good in this sacred space. Give to God what is God's. And what has God's image imprinted on it? Every single person bears Imago Dei, the image of God upon them. Every congregant who sits in an East End pew, every commuter on the subway, every Bay Street lawyer, every guest to the Wednesday food bank, every weary beloved struggling with addiction, every person who has been told by their family that they are despised because of who they are and whom they love, every Palestinian child weeping in Gaza, every Israeli mother wondering what is going to happen next. All of us are imprinted with Imago Dei, the image of God. We all belong to God. What belongs to God? Everything. All of it. All of us. God is both simple and complicated, all at the same time. As I was writing this reflection, I found myself weeping. Because I am also angry. I am always comforted when I remember that Jesus gets angry too. 
I am angry because any time war or violence breaks out, it is never ever the people who call the shots who end up hiding in classrooms or running for their lives at a music festival. I am angry at the Israeli government for enacting policies that actually provide Hamas more power. I am angry at the Israeli government for engaging in oppressive measures for decades. I am angry at the world for the anti-Semitism that was part of creating the situation in the first place. I am angry at the British colonialism that had a huge part in this story as well. I am angry at terrorist organizations that target civilians. I am angry that there isn't a simple solution. I'm angry that it's also not as complicated as I want it to be, because if it's all just too complicated for me to possibly understand, then I don't really have any responsibility or obligation to sit with it, wrestle with it, and wonder what my part is in it. I'm angry that it feels like I am supposed to be taking some kind of side in all of this. And I can't, except I must. I won't, except I will. The side I'm on is not the Caesars in this world or the ones trying to be Caesar. In war, it is never the Caesars who suffer the consequences for their decisions. It is the regular, everyday people. People like the people I see when I buy groceries at Food Basics, or lining up when I go to get my OHIP card. Those are the people who suffer. And it's often the most marginalized people, like the folks we see at our Out of the Cold or at the Food Bank, who suffer even greater. It's the folks I look at around me and where I see Amago Dei, the image of God staring back at me. And so if there is a side to take in all of this, that's the one I'm on. And through all of it, it feels like one of the few things I can do is pray that ultimately love is greater than fear. And maybe that's a cop-out. Maybe that's too simplistic. Maybe it's not where you land, and that's okay. Because honestly, right now, it's all I've got. Amen. there I pray love
love is greater than fear. Love is greater than greater than greater than fear. Love is greater than greater than greater than fear. Love is greater than greater than greater than fear. Love is greater than greater than greater than fear. That was our friends the many singing love is greater than fear you can find the many and much more of their music at www.themanyarehere.com east end united regional ministry is an affirming community of faith within the united church of canada in toronto to learn more about our worship as well as our many outreach programs please visit our website at www.eastendunited.ca.